What's up, you beauties? Welcome to High and Wide Radio, episode four of season five. My name is Jim Icavone, and I'm joined by the one and only Jack Smith. We'll be joined by our special guest, uh, Jason Martinez, in just a few minutes. Uh, but first, if you're not listening live, please make sure to subscribe, follow, and listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Let's also shout out the affiliate sites, fullpresscoverage.com and the Painted Lines. And while you're listening to the episode, check out our site, hwhockey.net, where you can now find the Podstreet, the Podstreet Bully podcast, the Time My Skates podcast, uh, Drunk Gritty. Uh, make sure you're checking out this DG Bets. He's putting out nightly betting articles. Maybe you can win a couple bucks or maybe, you know, maybe you can uh, send a couple bucks our way with those winnings. No, just kidding. Enjoy those. Uh, but Jack, everybody's winning. It's just been a, a banner weekend for the city of Philadelphia sports and probably the most surprising. I mean, the Phillies made it to the National League Championship Series, which is surprising, I think, right? Even more surprising may be your Philadelphia Flyers have started 2-0. Did anybody see this coming? When you saw Couturier was out, um, Atkinson was out, Stay what you will about Bristol line. And I don't think anybody saw them doing too much damage. We thought goal scoring was going to be a serious problem. And Travis Konechny said, hop on my back, baby. You know, and it's, uh, it, yeah, it's definitely a surprise. I've never felt more conflicted in my life. Like I want to be positive. And when I'm watching the game, I can't help but be positive. I'm there. I was there at uh, when they beat the they came back and beat the Canucks too. They just beat them. They, they came back all regulation, scored three unanswered goals. Hart shut it down after a really rough start. And it's like, who are these guys? Like, maybe there is something to that. Like, the whole world's against us and think we're going to suck. So let's show them. However, I really want a shot at Bedard. <laughs> so it's tough. It's tough, man. I mean. It is what it is. The team's playing really good right now. It's obviously the start of the season. Haven't played too tough competitions, but still, you have to play who's in front of you, and the team is technically undefeated. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, they are, yeah. I mean, they're one of nine teams left in the NHL without uh, a regulation loss or a loss in general, actually, I'm looking at here. I'm sorry. There's a couple more that have only played one game, St. Louis, Winnipeg. So there's like 10 or 11 teams uh, that have not yet suffered a loss. But the Flyers are one of those teams. Right? I'm looking at teams like Vegas, Calgary, uh, Dallas, who's playing very well under their, their new head coach down there, uh, Boston, Detroit, who is a team everyone's going to be watching this year to see what they do, Florida, uh, Pittsburgh, Carolina. I mean, and you're you all playoff teams outside of like Detroit. Right. And then your Philadelphia Flyers, who have <laughs> scored eight goals for with only four against. Um, you know, played very well, I thought. Uh, Thursday night against the Devils, where they they won five to two, they had to come back in that game as well, even though they were only down one nothing for I don't know maybe a couple minutes, not even. Not even, yeah, yeah. So let's let's kind of I, I don't we're gonna have Jason Martinez on in, in just a bit, so we'll we'll kind of break down these games a little bit more as we go along here. But man, there's just so much to be. Uh, I, all right, so here's my thing. I gotta pump my brakes a little bit because I'm I'm genuinely excited. Right, because they could have easily lost these two games, be zero and two right now, and everyone would be like, "Yes, this is what we expected." They stink, you know. We're going to be in the running for Bedard, you know. They they had no business beating Vancouver. New Jersey's better than them. We all know. Instead, everything that we've sort of been hearing about over the summer through camp, 
You know, Torts has been, you know, obviously the leader through it all, right? We saw it kind of come to fr uh, fruition in these two games. They, they didn't look like they did last year. And, you know, the first game, it's not so much as the example because it's the home opener, the crowd's juiced up. Uh, obviously, the players are going to come out juiced up. Uh, but more so the second game, right, Jack? Like the Flyers go down 2 nothing early in the first period. And uh, you could argue Hart maybe should have had at least one of those goals. And think back to last season. You know, the team goes down 2 nothing against a team like Vancouver. And it's probably the end of, of the game. You know, we're watching them skate around for the next two periods. And it's the most boring, lifeless product you can ever dream of. Or, or You know what I mean? It's like watching paint dry. Instead, this year, this this game, they chipped away, and they they never gave up. Was it always pretty? No. Um, but, you know, that one goal at a time kind of thing. Scotty Lawton with the shorthanded goal, once again, the only player wearing a letter on his chest, the A. Uh, and then Travis Konechny, like you mentioned, buries the winner, the, the game-winning goal. Extremely confident player right now. The team, they look good. They look good. And I'm going to give props where props are due. Can this continue all season long? I Obviously, the the winning will stop at some point. They have very tough tests this week. But this effort, if, if you saw this effort the entire season, would you be satisfied? Effort, yes. Um, I, I would like to see it from everybody who haven't seen everybody play yet. Um, ultimately, it's going to come down to skill. I, I Unfortunately, I wish you didn't say this season. Can it be any other season you know, <laughs> where we don't have to finish like low? Uh, but yeah, ultimately, especially when you got so many young kids playing, Wade Allison got on the board. Frost has two goals already. Uh, I believe um, I don't have the stats in front of me, uh, but I've liked how, what I've seen from Noah Cates. You know, I've, I've just liked what I've seen from these guys. Tippett's actually out too. I forgot to mention that earlier, but like, I want to see these guys stay healthy and play. But those who have stayed healthy and played have looked very well, have looked very good. You know, a very, very, very small sample size. Let's not kid ourselves. Uh, but like you mentioned, connect me that you mentioned the Lawton breakaway goal, like, Shorthanded goal. Like, how about that bank pass from connecting that? Like, oh, cow. I didn't even know he could do that. No. I didn't even know he was out there on a penalty kill. Since that, when's that a thing? I guess they're just that depleted. Well, he didn't look bad. He didn't look out of place. Like, that was phenomenal. You know, I mean, they got, they do have a back to back with Tampa and Florida, and then they're going to head to Nashville, all away games, obviously. If they come out of that two and one, three and oh, okay, then I'll be like, Holy shit, which I obviously don't expect to happen. But with since they're two and zero and everything is high hopes, um, I guess I'll say, hey, it's it could happen. Yeah, I mean, uh, who knows? Uh, I'm I'm I gotta check and see if it's Tampa Bay's home opener. Like like I said, I, I'm not expecting, uh, you know, wins all year. I mean, we had our show. I think it was Sunday or Monday last week, sometime before they started the season, and. You know, uh, we predicted losses, right? I think he had a 3-2 loss in overtime, and I predicted a 3-1 loss. Like, we were asking, how is this team going to score goals? And we well, didn't the funny part, Exactly. I was just going to bring that up. I said 4-3 to three overtime loss to the Devils, and to which you responded, wow, three goals from the Flyers? That's a high-scoring affair. Yeah. And you wouldn't, weren't wrong, but they so far have scored five and three, both wins. So eight goals in two games. That's not too bad to start off. But they are injury injury depleted. So real test is about to come. We can all have our fun now, but we'll, we'll ultimately see what, what this team is made of. But you can't ask for better for where they're at. They, two regulation wins, one against the division opponent. Both technically comeback games, although after they 
took the lead from the Devils, it was full steam ahead. The Vancouver game was a lot closer, obviously. So, but still, you you couldn't ask for better. Yeah, I mean, like I said, if if I wanted to nitpick that first game against the Devils, they uh, you know, they took a bunch of penalties in the first period, and whether they were fired up or or what, you know, they were those were opportunities for the devils to score. I believe they, they actually did score on one of the three power plays, but you know, Wade, Wade Allison answered quickly. And, you know, so Wade wasn't a guy on our list of players to talk about here, Jack, but I noticed that somebody in our dynasty league picked him up this morning. And I noticed that because I had dropped a couple players over the weekend for that very reason to stash him on my bench. And to my surprise i went to go pick him up today he was not in the waiver pool anymore somebody jack picked him up this morning let's talk about wade allison for a little bit i'll say this from a fantasy perspective when you need somebody when you have one of those games those days where nobody's playing and you just need to get a body in there like he's gonna give me some points even if he doesn't score you know like he's gonna get a little better than not starting anybody or trying for like a a player who could actually give you some negative stats. I just feel like just having him in there being as chippy as he can be, just being around the net and being just a, a gnat, you know, it, and he's a flyer too, which is obviously good. Um, yeah, it was nice. I saw him out there. I was like, yeah, like who, and he was at the top of like towards the top of the list. I'm like, this is a, uh, this is a match made in heaven right now. Just to get me by this week, you know, just get me through a day where nobody's playing, but the flyers and maybe one other team. And uh, I'll take it for sure. I don't know if he's going to be on it in the long run, but, you know, got to make a lot of tough decisions throughout the year, Jim, so keep your eye on that. Or you can give me a first-round pick now. We'll call it a day. Uh, but uh, I certainly was happy to have to fill a spot and have somebody like that available. Well, let's talk about let's talk about why. I mean, because before fantasy season started, there are almost no flyers being drafted mm-hmm. on in any league. Maybe Tony D'Angelo, right? And – you know, I go back and, and, and checked the waiver wire to see if, if anybody got picked up. The entire team got picked up. And maybe it's a Philly thing. I don't know. But let's specifically talk Allison here. And the guy's an absolute bull the way he plays. Like, he, he's even big in real life. Like, this is a big, lanky dude. There's some muscle on him. Uh, he's got the energy. He's exactly the type of guy this team needs. And... Number one, he's healthy. He's healthy heading into this season, knock on wood. And we're getting to see a fully healthy Wade Allison contribute. He's an energy guy that can easily, in my opinion, pot you 20 goals this season, right? Maybe be a 40-point guy. I saw even somebody say he could be a 50-point guy. And I'm not going to tell them they're wrong, right? Wade Allison could be a huge part of this team. And uh, I don't think maybe we considered him because I think, unfortunately, we're all kind of, uh, tempering our expectations. And I don't even want to say it, but we're waiting for him to get hurt kind of thing, you know? Yeah. If he can play a full season, though, there's no reason why he can't score 20, 25 goals. This guy's motivated. He's healthy. He had an outstanding camp. What else do you want to add in for Wade Allison, Jack? I just feel like when the team went down, we know that they're used to being, okay, let's pull the plug, guys. We're already losing. He doesn't have that mindset. I don't think he's been around the team long enough, whether through injury or just when he was here, the team was already out of the playoffs, and they started playing just a little bit better. That's what got us on his hype train to begin with. So he does, his mind doesn't go soft like that. Like he, He's, he's going to play his game and 
sure enough, there he is buzzing around the net. Gets a perfect rebound, and boom, just like that, we forget that they the Devils had just scored. It's back to a tie game. It was. I really think it was like thirty seven seconds. Like it was a crazy short amount of time. And uh, he was so excited. I remember he almost fell over, went into the boards, all that. I was like, I thought he was going to get hurt celebrating because he is, he's a bull. I love it. He's a bull in a China shop because he's, he's the bull, but he's also the China. So you have to be careful with him. But uh, I, I do like it when he's on, he is everything you can ask for in a, a player like that. And you see other teams have these style of players. And I mean it in a sense that the, the, he has that energetic part to him but he also has the potentially the production to him and you see that earlier in the season like uh how heinen was for pittsburgh or rodriguez guys of that nature and i think he's more talented based on what i've seen from him if he can stay healthy and you know than any of those guys uh and there's obviously more of them i think that he's got a higher ceiling than most of those style of players so if he can stay on the ice continue to play his game um, he's going to wreak havoc on the second and third lines, depending on how they shuffle him uh, through a, for a lot of teams. And that's the most you can ask for. And just please stay healthy, please, because the sky's the limit. Absolutely. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, a man that needs no introduction, but he's going to get one anyway. The one and only Mr. Jason Mertides. Jason, thanks for uh, joining us back on the show, man. How you been? What's going on, boys? All right, good to have you. Talking some puck, some undefeated Philadelphia Flyers hockey, Jace. And it feels yeah. good. It feels damn good. It does. It's two and zero, oh, and there, there's eighty games to go. But yeah, it's a good. It's look, it beats the alternative of a of a shit start, right? Yeah. So it's a good start to the season. And yeah, I mean that's kind of what we're trying to focus on a little bit here because we know we talked about it a little bit earlier in the show. We recognize that things could easily be they could be zero and two, right? And it could be the all doom and gloom stuff, and you know, the, you know, the whole summer talk. I mean, you're on Twitter. I mean, you. You're on the radio. I mean, you, you hear it every day. Flyers fans are not happy. But the way that they've started, the way that they've, they've played these two games, enjoy the moment a little bit, right? This season's going to be a roller coaster ride, and most likely you're going to be going down more than up. So mm-hmm. let's enjoy this a little bit. And, uh, you know, what are your thoughts on the surprising start through two games for the Philadelphia Flyers? I think the biggest thing that I'm taking away from the two games is that it, they've both had situations where the past couple of years you saw those teams be put in those situations and they folded and they just, they let it just destroy them in the game and t- take the opportunity away from battling back. I mean, the first game you're down one, nothing in that game. You get out of the first period tied at one. And then we know what second periods were like last year. I mean, they were horrific in the second period last year. And then they come back and they, you know, in that second period, they end the period up three to one over New Jersey and Jersey had chances. Hart was good when he had to be. And then, especially after letting in the first goal of that game, I know he didn't like it went through him. And then going into the third period, you didn't let them crawl back right away. You picked up the next goal to go up four one. They got it to four two and they threw the kitchen sink at him for a while there, but you know, they weathered it and they come away with a five, two win. And then in the Vancouver game, I thought it was even more important was because they're, they outplayed Vancouver heavily in that first period. They owned the puck. They didn't defend a lot. They gave up four shots. Only one shot from Vancouver was inside the dots. And they scored on two of their first three. The first one deflected. The second one, a little bit of maybe a little goalie interference there. And Garland's got all the time in the world. And he beats Hart. But then when Hart was called upon in the second period, still down 2 nothing, his right pad made four unbelievable saves, right? 
and that keeps him in the game. And I turned to Brian Smith that time. I said, remember those saves if they're able to come back because that's going to be what does it. And that's what was what did it. And then they get the goal to cut it to 2-1. And then just what an unbelievable play by Travis Konechny to not try and force that puck to Lawton shorthanded up the middle. I called it a 200, I, a 200 IQ hockey play to, th- to look up, get your head up. The game's slow enough to throw a, you know an area pass off the boards that Lawton can skate into. And then Lawton, I mean, he dekes 99 times out of 100. He'll open you up and try to slide five hole. And he just picked a spot and just beat Demko, who's a really good goalie. And then you come out in third and, and Konechny gets the win. So it just looked, of all the things, like you have all these question marks going in. I'm giving you a really long answer, but um, all these question marks of, is it going to be, are these elements going to be different? And they've checked a couple of those boxes here early. So now what you got to do is you got you to repeat that for it to become part of your identity. But maybe it's a foundational block that some of these issues that have plagued this team in the past are going to be less frequent now. Yeah. Jack, you want to add in? Go ahead. Jason, do you feel a little vindicated? It's a very small sample size, but I listen to Flyers Daily, obviously, and you guys, certain players you've mentioned, Konechny, Frost, Hart to an extent, who I myself have to defend every day, it feels like, um, for these guys to just show that Konechny, one, can put the team on his back. At least he has a little bit, uh, especially in that second game, but just be the team's best player, making smart plays that's doesn't exactly go hand in hand with him, but just once the, I don't want to say who or what name, but certain players, a certain atmosphere is not here. And they were able to step up and not just sneak by these games. Like they handled New Jersey after going down early. Great point about the second period, because we're texting each other going, I'm going, Jim is here comes a dreaded third period, pal, or second period, excuse me. And that couldn't have been more different. Same with the Vancouver game. And I know exactly what Save you're talking about with Hart, like laying out the pad there. That's mm-hmm. three nothing game. It's a totally different game. So you know, they, they get these yep. two wins. I know these aren't the best teams, but still, like, you got to play who's in front of you. Some of the players who had a lot of scrutiny, uh, Konechny, Hart, Frost. I mean, these guys are Proveroff. coming. Proveroff, three assists. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, and it's just like that. They're 2-0. and And I know it's, you know, look at who they played. There's 80 games left, but. You got to feel a little good about that, especially all the defending you have done. I think a couple of you guys, mainly Bill, gets a lot of flack on Twitter. He probably shouldn't. So it's got to feel just a little bit good to be like, why don't we let them play? Then we'll see. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't feel any vindication or anything, to be honest with you. But, um, you know, I I said that I thought Konechny was really, after kind of talking to him a couple of times and, you know, in the last couple of weeks, and just I, I just got a sense that the guy seems really settled in his life. You know, he's got a young kid now, and I think there's something that goes along with that. I think, you know, the fact that Giroux's not here, not that the two didn't get along or, you know, but there's a void now in the locker room of a voice. And TK's been a leader at every level he's played at. He's worn a letter at everywhere, pretty much a C everywhere he's been prior to the NHL. So I think that Konechny becoming a leader on and off the ice is really important because I think it invests the player more too. And I think his maturity is ready to handle it right now. But, um, you know, Look, it, it, I, I've, I feel like I should just put like an air quote. I should have a sign behind me that says it's just two games. Um, and it is just two games. And Konechny's off to a good start. But, you know, like I get the reaction over the summer and people were unhappy based on aggressive retool, rebuild, whatever you want to call the 18th letter, R. I only know that because of Eric B. And Rock M. But, um, you know, the reason people are pissed and how the last two years gone. And, and with that comes this assumption that, it's total shit 
everything shit, right? Everybody sucks and nobody's getting good. We have nobody that can play. And like, I try and guard against that because you're kind of lumping everyone into a team performance. And I don't think you can do that. Um, Pro Ross been widely criticized. I did not think he had a great year last year, but in all fairness, the guy's a really good player. Is he a true number one? He's got to prove that. And despite not being so partner reliant, but he's still a really good player. You know, you can't go from two years ago with Matt Niskan and saying, this guy's great. He's the number one perfect pairing to going, this guy sucks. Get rid of him. But that's what we do. You know, as fans, we're emotional. And I, I try and remove emotion. And I mean, in the first game, I thought Proveroff was off the charts good. Yeah. He didn't flash for a lot of people. I mean, 10 block shots. In the second game, I think he had seven shots on goal. And, you know, we kind of lump guys into that sometimes. I think TK got lumped into that too. Granted, he did have a couple of years where his trajectory kind of changed on development since the bubble. But, you know, I mean, these guys got to prove it over a period of time, just like it takes a little while for it to degrade what you think about a player. It's going to take a little while for it to come back up. So, uh, I mean, I did pick Konechny in, in, on Flyers Daily that to be this team's bounce back player, their Hart Trophy winner, the Bobby Clark winner, the most valuable player for the team. And he's come out and look in the first two games, he's made me look good because it hasn't been just the goals or the plays that he's made that ended him up on the score sheet. It's been everything else. Like to, I, I interviewed him after the second period, I want to say of uh, the, the first game against the devils. And I said it, the first thing I said to him was says a double bucket repair period. He had to throw his helmet to the bench twice. And I said, a double bucket repair for you tells me you're doing your job. Because that means guys are washing your face and banging you around, which means you're going to the right areas. You're being a pain in the ass, but not taking penalties. And he he said, well, my, I got to get it tightened a little bit. But that's him doing his job. When TK's doing that and that peskiness is focused in the right ways, a healthy way for the team, he's a really good player. He is a really good player. I'm not saying he's a superstar. He's a really good player seems like he needs to get that feistiness. There was a game last year where he, like, I think it was against Boston. It was feisty all game, draws the penalty, and then he's the one to score on the power play. It's like, that's a Konechny game. That's where he's going to be at his best. So, yeah. and With so Marshane on the other side, too. I mean, those two are very similar in stature and kind of the way they approach things. Yes, exactly. So, I mean, what more can you ask for? And I'm, Jim, you might as well put it at the bottom. Like, we know it's just two games because – small sample size well for sure but like so here's my thing because i'm genuinely i'm excited that they're two and oh you know i like i i get what you guys are saying and you know typically that's the kind of guy i am i don't get too excited i don't get too low i stay kind of in the middle but i'm gonna allow myself to enjoy this a little bit you know it's it's probably not going to last very much longer. If you, Jimmy, if you can't enjoy the wins, then why the fuck even be a fan, right? Exactly. Like like it just residing in misery. Like I did sports radio for a really long time, and sports radio was predicated on misery. Yep. Because I will tell you guys, like I was a programmer at WIP. I was a programmer at the Fanatic, and I broke down ratings and demographics and all the shit. So. When the Eagles would, you know, win four games in a row, you know, the, the Monday after that fourth win, the phone lines were like wide open. Huh. If they lost three in a row, 
those phone lines were jammed. I mean, jammed. It's crazy, man. It's just the way it is. Misery loves company. It's not it's, just the saying. It's because if they win, it's like, okay, they're supposed like this is what people were saying. They're supposed to beat the Devils. They're supposed to beat the Canucks. And it's like, wait, no, wait not. a second. The Flyers were picked <laughs> to be in the bottom three. They're not supposed to beat anybody. You know what yeah. I mean? So yeah. if you go by social media, I mean, they were gonna lose, they were gonna go 0 and 82. Right, exactly. So I'm like, you know what? They beat the Devils. They looked pretty good doing it. Like, mm-hmm. I'm gonna be happy. They beat the Canucks. They came down from 2-0. Last year, the, the next two periods were absolute crap to watch. They came back and won, and they looked pretty good doing it. So to me, I'm taking that as, okay, these guys are and, – and again, I know it's the beginning of the season. They got 80 more games. But maybe they're buying in a little bit here. Maybe, you know, the change that we want to see, we might actually see. It's not all lip service. Maybe the players are buying in. Maybe the camp did pay off for a lot of these guys. Travis Konechny, Ivan Provorov, who – he's the guy I really want to talk about, Jace, because – you know, we think back to uh, the last couple of years. He looked kind of miserable at times, and he sounded miserable at the end of last season. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering, do you think being around a guy like Tortorella and the Flyers having the camp that they did and everybody sort of having to um, bring their game or, or their training habits and whatnot to the level that maybe Ivan Provorov has, do you think that's rejuvenated or re-inspired him? Because he looks great. I, th- I think that he's a machine. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's one of those guys that the people around him doesn't affect his training or his preparation or anything like that. I think he's a very competitive guy. Like, remember a couple of years ago when they were in the playoffs? I think it was against Pittsburgh. And in that seventh or that sixth game, he, like, he couldn't even lift his arm. And he was in tears after the game because he felt, and he said in the locker room, I couldn't help my teammates. Mm-hmm. And he felt like he let him down. Now, the dude couldn't even lift his arm. And by the way, he was on the ice skating about a week later already because that's him. So I don't think any of that stuff affects him, but I do think some of the criticism did affect him and the losing did affect him um, because he is a competitor. He's a kind of a quiet guy. Like you don't see him doing a ton of media, you know, there's Mm -hmm. only a couple of guys in in my 16 years doing the off ice or doing intermissions and stuff that don't want to talk in between periods. And he's one of them. And I respect it. Like, I don't, Hey, if you want to stay focused, that's what you need to do. Totally fine with that. He was like that chemo team and it was that way too. So, uh, so there's nothing like he doesn't like the media or anything like that. When I talk to him, we have good conversations, but I just think he's a guy that, you know, felt like he got a little disrespected as a player and again, kind of maybe lumped in. I don't think he was that great last year. I don't, I think he really struggled at times because I don't think, you know, the juggling of a partner helped him at all. And it had to, he had to shoulder a huge burden defensively when he when he ended up with Braun or he ended up with this guy or that guy. You saw it start to come together a little bit with Cam York because he had a puck mover, but Cam York's playing his weak side. So, um, you know, I, I just think he's a guy that was very frustrated last year, uh, but wants to be here and wants to be part of the solution. I think there's a few guys that you can see that already. You know, that that's kind of like a catchy saying, like, are you part of the solution or are you part of the problem? And that's what a lot of what this season's about, which is why they extended Travis Sanheim, because I think they see him as part of the solution, knowing what the market's going to yield for a guy like that and what you could get him for. So, um, you know, Perveroff heard all the trade rumors. He, he's not oblivious to that stuff. So uh, he's trying to get off to a good start with a new partner. And frankly, I was really concerned about those who. 
playing together, him and Tony D'Angelo, on and off the ice because they're so different. And D'Angelo is so emotional, and Provorov is so intense. But, I mean, they played that one preseason together, and Tortorella said it right away. He said they sucked. <laughs> you know, I love that he said that. They said, what did you think of, Tor- of Provorov and, uh, and, Tony- and Tony? And he said, I thought they sucked. And they did in that first preseason game. But like in the Vancouver game, I'm seeing plays and, you know, guys dropping off pucks behind the net and guys being where they expect their relief to be and to release pressure in the face of a forecheck. They look like they've gained a little chemistry already. And both guys have offensive instincts. Pro Ross, a better defender. D'Angelo's not as poor of a defender as advertised. And they've looked pretty good and they've ended up on the score sheet in both games. So hugely important element of a team is that top pairing. And those two so far, I think, have hit the ground pretty good. I would agree. And, and Jack, let's talk about his defense partner and Tony D'Angelo. So Tony D'Angelo, three points in two games, two power play points, was brought in, I think, most specifically to, you know, help the Flyers power play. Uh, Jack, what have you seen from Tony D'Angelo so far? I mean, I think the stats uh, speak for themselves. You got a power play point in each game, three overall. I mean, what more can you ask from the guy? That's what he was brought in to do. As Jason pointed out, he hasn't been – uh, really a problem defensively. We, we really thought he was going to be a, a real mess and it really hasn't been, and he's producing. So, I mean, what more can you ask for a guy like that? And um, yeah, I mean, everybody seems to be clicking. They're all supposed to be where they're at and they're not getting down in games and whatnot. And, you know, he's only played for winners. I don't know if he brought a little bit of that with him and whatnot, but what more can you ask for? He's, he's it's two games, but he's been as advertised. Yeah. And, and Jace, to, to follow up here, I mean, the guys brought everything I think that we were told he would bring thus far and maybe even a little bit more through two games looks pretty good defensively. Uh, what have you seen from him on the power play? Because when Tortorello was asked, you know, who's going to play the power play, the only guy that he could name during camp was Tony D'Angelo. Has he kind of come as advertised to you so far? I mean, in some ways, in some ways, no. I mean, he came advertised as you know, a lot of the off the ice stuff too, mm-hmm. you know, and that stuff is sensationalistic and look, that's his story to tell. And, you know, he's, he's going to have to win some fans over because of the things from his past. But a, a lot of those people that are, are assuming he's still that, and he's still a problem child. And I mean, the thing is about it, they, they cite, Oh, well they, the Rangers kicked him off the team. The assumption is that his teammates didn't like him. That couldn't be more wrong. His teammates loved him. He got in a fight with the backup goaltender, with Georgiev, because he told him he fucked up. (laughs) It was an overtime game when that happened, and Tony's highly emotional. And, you know, D'Angelo was coming back behind the net to take a puck, and then Georgiev moved it, turned it over, ended up in the back of the net. So he had words for him in the tunnel. Like, dude, drop that. It's three on three. Drop off the puck. It's about possession. And, you know, they went back and forth and they got in a fight. And there was other things off the ice there with, you know, the social media stuff and all that, too. So so he was a bit of a hot button guy. So there's elements that I think that he's come as advertised and not. You know, a lot of people didn't pay a lot of attention to him around here last year playing in Carolina. Basically, two thirds of the season, he was on the top pair with Jacob Slavin. They gave up the fourth least amount of goals in the NHL last year. So clearly he's not that much of a detriment defensively. And do you think Rod Brindamore would put his team in a position to have a detriment out there defensively that didn't have a partner that could suit him in a way so that you could defend? No. So, uh, I mean, I think he's a guy that 
is a much better player than maybe we really even know because a lot of the noise around him is kind of taken away from the focus of what he can actually do on the ice. So he's been good. And look, I, I think it's good to have people with different personalities on a team. Yeah. I, I don't think it's good for every guy to go chalk all the time. You got to have some emotion, some piss and vinegar. And he's got that. Like, and he'll, he'll step up and say something. And he wants to win and he's a competitor. I mean, I guarantee it points this year, him and Torts are going to go at it. But it's two Italians going at it, right? <laughs> you go at it, you fight. I don't know what that's like. Yeah, you beat the crap out of each other, then you hug it out, right? Because you have the same. It's all love. It all comes from the same place, right? It's yeah. all about being a competitor. Like they're frustrated if they're not winning. Mm-hmm. And that's good. You know, one of the things that stuck out to me this offseason, I heard Keith Yandel, and I love Yance, but I heard him on Spit and Chicklet said, you know, that was one of the most fun years I ever had playing in the NHL last year for the Flyers. I did not want to hear that because no. the team stunk. And I don't want to hear that you had fun. It should have been fucking miserable. You know what I mean? And it wasn't. I mean, he said it sucked because we weren't very good and we didn't win a lot and it was frustrating, but we laughed a ton. And But, like, I'm sorry. I don't want to hear that. Like, I was going to book Yans for stick to hockey. And I'm like, you know what? Based on I don't want to. I don't want to book him. Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I didn't like hearing that. You should be – if you're losing in pro sports – you shouldn't be yucking it up every day and having fun. I get mm-hmm. it as a player, like you can't sit there and be miserable all the time. But geez, you can't say it was one of the most fun years I had in the NHL when you're a guy like that that's been around as long as he has. That, That's interesting that stuff there. Popped out it, to me. If, yeah. If I almost you want, crashed my truck when I heard it. I was like, what? <laughs> I mean, it, as as fans or somebody like me, you know, I would dig into that a little bit. Okay, who was allowing that? Why was that allowed to happen? Yeah. You know, there's leaders in that room. And you can kind of see where I'm going with that kind of line of questioning there. But, you know, it's uh, it needed a makeover. And, you know, I don't think it's coincidence. A guy like Cam Atkinson, who I think we all consider to be a pretty good guy, smart, uh, advocated for John Tortorella. You know, he saw. Mm-hmm. Well, it, Cam said the other night, too. He said it was too much like a country club. Yeah. You know, like you just don't swing in. You know, I clean off my clubs. We'll go play 18 and then play some cards. Like, what are we doing here? You know what I mean? It's unfortunate to hear, man. You know, like, yeah. I mean, you're around the team all the time. And I think that was maybe even a surprise to hear for you. You know, like who knew that it was like that? You know, took me back. Uh, so, I, I wasn't as close around the team last year as in previous years because we still were dealing with some protocols and stuff. Um, I was certainly a lot closer than most other media members because I was downstairs for a lot, but not as close as normal. So I and I just we weren't allowed in the practice locker room, so you couldn't really tell a lot of that stuff and didn't have a lot of one on ones. But. Yeah, I mean, it really, I mean, that that was a, I mean, as soon as I heard it, I hit, go back 30 seconds. Let me hear yeah. that. Did I just hear that right? I couldn't believe it. I was stunned. So, yeah, I didn't like hearing that at all. I feel like we had our suspicions for a while. I just didn't know how bad it was. And yeah. to hear what Cam said with also with you said, it's like, unbelievable, man. We need, no, no wonder they would get down in games and just turn off. No wonder they would mm-hmm. lose back-to-backs, get blown out by division rivals. What a shock suddenly it is after hearing all that. So well, that I, th- I think when A.V. basically tucked tail and ran on him, too, that didn't help the situation. That exacerbated it. And was that more years two and three? Like after I thought there's maybe something happened to him in year one. I don't want to say what, but maybe that, you know, between. Like the in the bubble, I think shit went yeah, down. Yeah, personal things and. Yeah, I could see that as well. And then, well, he tucks tails and run. Then that means the country club's running everything. And then at that point, they can just come and go as they please and whatever. And, yeah, and, and the players know Yoz doesn't really have a huge hammer. You know, Yozy didn't have a big hammer. 
Well, the other thing with that was he finally comes out and says something last year about that and then, like, apologized the next day. Like, somebody yeah. said something to him or something. It was like, oh, come on. Finally, somebody shows some emotion and he gets yeah. shut down right away. It's like, yeah. That's why I like what you said about Tony D'Angelo. Well, like, obviously, I was pulling for Tortorella from the start. When this team's ready to win or lose, he's going to get some of those kind of players out of here. And I've always been a fan of Atkinson, and to see that he advocated for Tortorella and he made the country club comment, seems like we're getting more of those guys out of here and more of the right players in here. Whether however you feel about their skill, everybody we mentioned that feels pretty good, but even still, it's that culture is obviously massive, and it's it's showing. I mean, again, small sample size, but. I would rather have those players in here for the long haul. Uh, and yeah, that's how you change things. I guess it works for me. Yeah. I mean, Cam, when, when they had their end of season press conferences, so I'm in like a conference room off Paul Holmgren's office and Chuck Fletcher's office is down the hall. So they would come upstairs. They would meet individually with Chuck Fletcher and the hockey op staff and then either come to me and then go to a press conference or vice versa. So Cam came to me first because somebody else was in there. And I taped my interview with him for your exit. And I had asked him about torts. And I just asked him, I said, hey, what is it about him? And he got up, walked over to the door and pulled the door shut and sat down. And we talked for like 15 minutes about torts. Because, you know, the notion of torts was he's a tyrant. Everybody hates playing for him. And I, I mean, I'll tell you, I did a lot of digging on torts and guys that have played for him. And got their opinion. Not every single guy in the world loved him because universally nobody's beloved. You know, there's always people that don't like a coach or a, a boss or whatever you want to call it. But a lot, I mean, I talked to, I think, like 18 or 19 guys that played for him and rave reviews because you always know where you stand. There's no bullshit. There's just pure honesty and there is a level of caring about the person. And you know, players respond to that. You know, he's going to push them. He's going to drive them crazy at times. You you may not love him when you play for him, but you'll realize after what was good about the experience. And Cam couldn't have given, you know, and like Cam's one of those really genuine guys, yeah. right? And the thing that I noticed that all the guys that, and even guys I didn't talk to and just like researched and saw that had issues with him and stuff, all the guys that, didn't like him, didn't play the game in an honest way. Everybody that he coached that played the game, honestly, like could look in the mirror and say, I, I spilled it, right? All of those guys didn't have a problem with him. So, I mean, basically, you go out there, if you play the game in an honest way, you play with some accountability, and accountability is another one of those catch words, but the only accountability that matters is self-accountability. And I think there was some suffering of that here last year, too. I think some guys were looking in the mirror and telling themselves lies. Mm. So, um, you know, that that's a big part of it. And Torts gets to that. He says, I don't coach the hockey, but I coach the mind. I like, I love that. And the other thing is when you hire a guy like Torch, you mm -hmm. assume, Hey, he's 64 years old. He's been around forever. He's a dinosaur and he hasn't evolved. Well, I don't know that there's a coach that's evolved more. <laughs> you know what I mean? He used to coach. He said, I used to coach every inch of the 200 by 85. I wanted to control everything, almost like a puppet master, right? So then I realized, like, I was an okay hockey player, but I can't do what these guys do. Who, the, who am I to tell them not to be creative and use this elite skill set they have? I couldn't imagine having it. So he started to release it a little bit and go, okay, I can release a little bit of the leash if 
and only if they do the things that I my non-negotiables away from the puck, D zone structure, blocking shots, effort, you know, the things you can control. And if you do that, you'll get all the leash in the world. And to me, that's, that's a guy who's had a lot of evolution. I would agree with that. And uh, you just by listening to him talk, he, you can hear he's, he's not the same guy. You know, he, he recognizes that each player is an individual and they're all different. They all need to be coached different. They're all, uh, they all have different attributes. And what I like that he said, I think towards the end of camp there, and I can't recall the player specifically, I want to say it was a Konechny or, uh, or maybe a York or a, a player that, you know, has the skill, but he needs to play somewhat in, uh, in, in the system as well. He said he wants them to play their game. He wants them to go out and be themselves. He's not trying to change up their game or, or you know, um, de- degrade them in any way, which I'm like, okay, I think some people were afraid of that. They were afraid that he was going to kind of shelter them and, hey, you have to play the system. You're a robot. He's not that way at all. Um, yeah, no. I mean, like I remember I quote tweeted a guy on Twitter and said, oh, great, I can't wait to watch. You know, if they were to win the lottery, Connor Bedard block shots. And I'm right. like, okay, you're not paying any attention to no. really what this guy does. I mean, just look at a guy like Atkinson. Better than average scorer in the NHL, right? Not a star scorer. Scored 41 and 3,500 torts. Look at a guy like Zach Wierenski. I mean, for a defenseman too, right? A young defenseman. He gave that kid all the rope in the world if he took care of the puck and did the right things in the D zone. And Warinsky would jump up in the play all the time and is an offensive dynamo. And Torts helped bring that out of him. Was he just making them sit back there and block shots? No. He he lets them use their, you know, the assets of their skill. But again, you have to, you can do it, but you got to do what I ask. (laughs) The other things like these aren't negotiable. There is accountability. And accountability with a with a coach isn't, hey, everyone's held to the same standard. Yeah, they're held to a standard. It doesn't mean they have to have the same stat line, right? Because right? some guys can score, some guys can't. You have a job. You got to do your job. Like Nick Delarier is going to go out there and bang, and you hope he does it at the right times and all of those things. And guys like Scott Lawton or Kevin Hayes, their jobs are all different. So, yep. you know, you got your job. Just go out and do yours. Don't do anybody else's. And that's very important for each player to know that, hey, you have a role and it's just as important as as this guy's who's going to score 30 goals a year, but yours is going to be this. It's important for them to know that. And towards seeing, he comes off as a very, very strong communicator, which today, with today's NHLers is extremely important. You know, um, I, I do want to ask you because I, you know, I know we're kind of running short on time here. Uh, have you seen a, a camp? like John Tortorella's before, and, you know, what kind of stood out to you? I mean, you've been covering the team for a long time. Have you seen a camp like that in the past? Did a certain player st- stand out? I mean, how do you think uh, things are going to move going forward this season, you know? I, I don't recall a camp like this one because so many guys were hurt. Yeah, that's you true. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, it was crazy. Like, usually you go, okay, everybody's coming in healthy, ready to go, right? Yeah. I mean, you have Tur- Couturier, that what would happen there, and – you know, coming off of back surgery. So there's going to be a lot of cautious, you know, way they handle that. And then Farabee coming off the neck surgery, right? And then, you know, you had a lot of guys get banged up. Like Atkinson's not making the road trip. He, he I think, played in one preseason game. 
Konechny played, I think, in one. Provorov played in one. D'Angelo played in two. Ristolainen, and like you got all this going on, and I know Torch really pulled back on some of the things that he was going to do that he planned because he had so many guys nicked up. So from that standpoint, I'm not like I talked to Morgan. I said after the last preseason game, and I was just kind of like shooting it with him in the locker room. I said, "Dude, five or six games, like, is that ideal for you?" And he's like, "Not really, but they had to." <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. Like he'd rather play three or four to yep. knock the rust off and get ready to go. But, I mean, he had to play in all those because as you're whittling the camp roster down, availability of players became less and less. So, um, no, I haven't seen anything like it. I mean, as far as, you know, like the first day of not no pucks on the ice, that's not as uncommon as people think. I mean, like, like for a team, you know, a pro team, a, a junior team, a college team, there may be one practice a week that's like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't enjoy it. It sucks when you go out there and you walk out of the room and you got all your crap on and you don't even see a puck on the ice. You're like, oh, man, it's one of those days. Or a lot of times, you know, though, too, like every Monday, we're going to skate, we're going to condition. Um, so I think Torts had to go about conditioning in a different way than he had planned. Um, and I just think he did that through comp- competitive drills. Sometimes it's better to condition. <laughs> I say this at all levels, even the team I coach at U16. It, I like conditioning the guys when they don't know they're being conditioned. Yeah. <laughs> they don't even know it. You know, you're just out there, you're working their rear end off, but they're playing. So yep. it's not just like, hey, skate, you know, blue line, red line, blue line, you know, all this stuff, stops and starts and all that. You're actually conditioning them just by so much repetition and drills or, and what you're doing. And I think Torch did a little bit of that too. They are in good shape. They came in in good shape. TK came in in great shape. The Cates brothers, Wade Allison were all guys that were cited to me that really came in, in a level of fitness that maybe we haven't seen before. Well, it's paying off. I mean, it paid off through the first two games, right, Jack? Absolutely. Yeah. Couldn't ask for much more. <laughs> um, all right. So I could ask for 80 more. Ah, yeah, right. I'm conflicted. Yeah. <laughs> I might like, be one of the guard sitting there. Yeah, if all seasons to do it, we're, no matter how good they play, we're still going to have a, a bit of a talent issue. And yeah. we know that they went out of the way not to trade that pick in 2023. But I was at the game on Saturday, and it's like I couldn't even hide my excitement. It's it just to see them out there winning, you know. And this is, of course, after the Phillies win but it's just yeah. was like this is what i missed man like, i feel like i haven't seen this forever it's the beginning of the season i spent the whole usually i can't wait for the season to start this season i was like oh god i gotta all my everybody's gonna be asking me questions i'm gonna be like please leave me alone and i'm just like they started out like this and it was great to see him come back connect he looks so good like that pass was ridiculous and yeah. part bounced back after a tough start and it's like man this is not the same team, of course. In the year they need to be the same team, they're not the same team. Yeah. So I'm conflicted, but I'm going to enjoy the ride at the same time. It's going to game by game. Yeah, I, I think you said it earlier. Like I try to get it too high or too low. Like that's kind of my philosophy. Like I'm not freaking out. Like I remember when they went to the bubble, and like I get fans being fans, and I, I remember this guy that always DMs me. I forget his name off the top of my head, but he always DMs me like they have a bad period he's like we suck blah blah you know the <laughs> world is and i remember he dm me after they won those three pseudo exhibition seating games in the bubble against tampa wow. washington and i want to say the islanders and they became the number one seed he's like we're winning the cup and i'm like dude uh-huh. settle down 
This is, this is why you drive yourself crazy because yeah. they win a couple. Those were totally meaningless games. And you're like, oh, up here, putting your freaking lawn furniture out on Broad Street, like settle down. And then they lose a game and he's like, oh, my God, fire everybody. It's like, dude, you got to live in the middle. You got to be able to enjoy it and be pissed off when things aren't good. But you can't let your emotions overrule you because you'll end up in a really tenuous position. It's crazy. Like it's it's not easy being a Philly sports fan. It seems easy right now because the Phillies are going to the NLCS. The Eagles are what twenty one and zero, right? And they beat Cowboys last night. Yeah. Flyers are two and zero. Sixers. We'll see if they can get out of the second round. But I mean. It's it's not easy. There's been a lot of heartache. So, so there's a lot of scar tissue. But that's it, when doing a daily podcast, like I have to find a way to live in here. And sure. if I come on with they're, they're oh they're two and oh going like Anthony's like literally me show today. Oh, <laughs> oh it's the best. You know all that stuff. <laughs> You're a fraud. You know. Yeah. I'm. But like when they lose, I'm not like freaking out either. I gotta like remove emotion from it. First of all, nobody wants to hear me in the morning just bitch, 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 bitching. You know, like we got enough of that between our boss or our girlfriend or whatever. You know, you don't need me to do that. So anyway, yeah, you uh, just, that's that's most people don't like to watch the game with me because I have that all within a game. Now I don't, I don't DM anybody. Shift. I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't put it out on Twitter. I know to keep it centered, and by the time yeah. the next morning comes, I'm normal again. But yeah, you, I get it. Yeah, <laughs> all, all too well. Yeah, my philosophy on Twitter these days is for promotional purposes only. I'm trying to get there. I'm trying oh, to. Oh man, they make it tough sometimes. I retweet. That's about it. <laughs> Chase, before we let you go here, I was going to ask your expectations for the rest of the season, but instead. Since the Phillies are in the National League Championship Series, and I assume that you follow the Phillies, you know, you know what's going on and everything, right? Mm-hmm. What's more surprising to you, the Phillies in the National League Championship Series, or that the Flyers started out two and zero? If you would asked me that question, if you had told me in June that the Phillies would be in the NLCS and the Flyers would start two and zero, I would have said the Phillies would be more surprising because it's only two games, right? And hockey is so random in a lot of ways. A lot of times it's when you're not very good, it's random against you. <laughs> yeah. But it still is a random game. I mean, think about the game. You know, like, Tort said this the other day, and I loved the phrasing. He said, this is a find-a-way league. You know, f- not, you, have, you can plan all you want. But when you get into a game, I mean, ultimately it comes down to this, guys. There is 20 guys dressed up in all this gladiator-looking equipment, wearing steel on their sharpened steel on their feet with a stick chasing around a vulcanized piece of rubber to put it into a net. And when you get scored on on the road, a horn goes off and everybody points at you as the goalie. Like, it's so random. You know, because pucks can bounce and you're on ice and all of these things. So hockey's pretty random. So I would say it's probably the Phillies being in the NLCS. I, I wasn't sure if they were going to have the pitching to do it. And, you know, like I know Ruben Amaro put out a tweet when the Phillies clinched because Nola had that big game, I guess, in Houston. And he said, 
I've been telling you Nola's a big game pitcher. If you didn't think so, you can all kiss my ass. And I said, well, wait a minute. He wasn't a big game pitcher. You're not a big game pitcher until you are. Right. Because he had many opportunities and failed prior to that. But then he had that opportunity and he, you know, he had a big game pitcher performance. So, you know, you, you are the narrative until you prove that you're not. I appreciate, I like Raj, so I appreciated his tweet and using the KMA in there. But, um, yeah, I'm pretty surprised with the Phillies. It, it's really cool to see because, I mean, I've been really vocal about baseball and Major League Baseball, you know, really needing to upgrade its sport with the rules and everything. And because I loved baseball, but I haven't been in love with baseball. You know, I've been really disappointed in it because it's all become launch angles and shifts and all that crap. The ball's in play every eight minutes. I mean, like sometimes when you go to the ballpark, you're literally going to watch the grass grow because there's nothing happening. Yeah. But this has been exciting because you guys know what it's like. Baseball playoffs, you hang on every pitch. There's so much tension that builds up in it. And the way the Phillies have played, and they're a likable group. Like if you don't like Bryce Harper, I don't know what to tell you. But like Brandon Marsh, you know, all of them, Segura, like all these guys, they're likable. You know, and Wheeler's, you know, comes in. He's been great. And then you get Syndergaard, who's not what he was, but like, it's cool. Like they're a cool team and they're fun. So, and I see people like I was down there on Saturday before the Flyers game. Man, the place was packed, man. People were going nuts. Like, if you don't like that, like, it's awesome. It just brings people together. So I hope they win the World Series. I think I'd be so it would be so much fun, and the Red Octobers are awesome. Yeah, I think I, we I all agree. Know. Jack's as big as Phillies fan as you're going to find out there. Yeah, I lost my collective mind. I don't know who said it on Twitter, but it's perfect. And it was like watching playoff baseball is like watching a loved one defuse a bomb. And it's yeah, that's a good. great analogy. I actually. love that. I was like, yeah, that's that's dead on. <laughs> yeah, you feel like you could explode at any any pitch, and it's like, oh my god, we're over. You know, right. the season like Joe Carter, right? Like that, the bomb went off. <laughs> you know, when they had bases juice against uh, the Cardinals in the ninth, the very first playoff game, I'm like, they could yeah. lose this out of a double play. Like they yep. they could lose the game, and then bomb gets hit. It's like they could still lose the game. They could still. Yep. It, was, it was ridiculous. It was absolutely insane. Yeah, it, it's nuts, and yeah, it's it's been fun so far, and I guess they're going to pick up on Friday, so for the NLCS against San Diego. So it, I mean, it, it, it base playoff. I mean, playoffs in every sport are great, right? The NFL's one and done, yeah. You know, or it's sink or swim, and then the NHL and NBA best of sevens, which are always cool too. I playoffs and sports are so good, and baseball is right there. Even though baseball has kind of kicked me away a little bit in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. The, the playoffs still deliver if your team's involved. Absolutely. Would agree. They are very likable. That was a great point. I didn't even think about that. I was just so much into winning, but all across the board, like everybody's essentially like a great dude. And Harper is the lead in that charge. It just totally. Yeah, all those dudes were at Xfinity Live getting bombed up after the game on <laughs> That's Saturday. Great. That's awesome. I love it. Absolutely love it. Yeah. Even when you win like that, you can act like the fool. Like that's totally fine. Totally no acceptable. Problem. You just don't do that when you lose, <laughs> you know. Which is a good point. No, for all for real, because that's what we saw with the Flyers for so long. And it, I really didn't put that much <clears throat> stock into it. I'm like, Giroux can't be that bad of a cap. Like he puts it all on the ice. I see it. I see him. He gets mad. He he's trying. He's tying the game. But then, like when the with these things come out over time, and it's just like Jesus. It, he really did have to go. Like, unfortunately, like I don't think it's no, all yeah, on I him. Think, I don't think he was a, a bad captain or a bad leader. I just think right. that. 
the mix got way too comfortable. Yep. All like those whatever. years of yeah. Ghost, Giroux, and Voracek, and Simmons. Like everybody says, oh, bring Simmer back. You know, make him the captain. Dude, he was part of that stuff too. Like, you know, like it's the mix just lost its teeth, you know, and that's what happened. And everybody knows how I feel about Giroux. I'm a huge Giroux fan, huge defender. And I mean, to me, he's a fantastic player, but I, I wouldn't, if I was a GM, I wouldn't have brought him back. I told him that. I said, go somewhere else. Yeah. Go play hockey. Don't, don't come back here and have the weight of all the the years that you were the captain ruin the twilight of your career. So, well, yeah, and I used I, to defend him. Like, you know, every, everybody would tell, oh, rip the C off him, give it to Simmons, which is hilarious based on what you just say. But a lot of people were saying yeah. that back then. And I was like, no, he just guy's a, a superstar. Like, he's doing what he's got to do. But, and it wasn't just him. It definitely wasn't just him, but it was just, it was just a culture thing. And uh, mm-hmm. it is what it is, you know, and, yep. and a lack of talent. They just didn't have talent. I mean, of you course, had... he needed help for sure, yeah. especially on yep. defense at the time and the goal. But mm-hmm. it's just like, even now when it started to come together, it's like now it's a culture thing. And it, it really showed. And it's unbelievable to see hear what the players are saying and to s- slowly start to see the, what the difference can be yep no doubt for sure well uh jace that's uh we you gave us a little bit more than we needed there uh kept you a little bit longer than we initially said which no you're worries. always welcome to stay uh but we do want to let you go because we know you have yeah, you have a lot to get to tonight so um it's going to do it for our segment with you. Uh, do you want to throw out a Twitter handle or throw out some sites where everybody can find you? I'm sure if they're listening to us, they, they already know where to find your work. But just in case. Um, yeah, I won't throw my I'm not going to throw my Twitter out. So I don't need to correspond there. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, Flyers Daily and all your podcast platforms, you know, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, whatever, all that stuff. Also, Stick to Hockey Live. We do every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Just did a show today with Frank Saravalli formerly of TSM and Daily Face Off Now, um, which you can find on my Twitter, or that's also available on demand. I also do the AGs podcast with my old radio partner, Harry Mays. We do that every Thursday. And um, I do Stick to F1. I do my F1 podcast once a week with Anthony Mangione as well. So all of my stuff is all on the normal basis. Good stuff, man. You do about 13 dude. podcasts a week. That's nuts. I got a friend yeah. in the chat who's a New York guy, but you just mentioned F1. I think I just got you a new listener. <laughs> right nice. there. Yeah. Well, they're coming to America this week. They'll be in Austin, Texas at the Circuit of the Americas. So it'll be you going time. down. I wish I, I wanted to. We were supposed to go to Lake Placid this weekend for a tournament for my son, but shit ended up falling through there. So I would have, I could have gone down, but uh, two Flyers games, it's just a tough time of year for me to yeah. pull away. So, yeah. For sure. Well, Jace, before we let you go, I want to say congratulations. Saw your tweet earlier. You're in, what was it, uh, seventh or eighth in mm-hmm. the country yeah, for podcast uh, downloads? Congratulations on that, man. That's a huge yeah, accomplishment. The only We've come as high as number two yeah. um, on, a, on a few occasions. I've never been able to beat Chicklets, though. They're tough. I get that tough damn enough. bar stool thing behind them. And that's the only one. I've beaten 32 thoughts, and I sent Fried a note the one time. <laughs> It was like, ah, you're behind me, eat my ass. Totally <laughs> <laughs> well, different uh, style of podcast, though. So take it for that. For what you do, you're number one. Yeah, exactly. So um, it's it's weird for a team specific one to be that high, you know. Exactly. But um, yeah, I mean, it's great. People people listen to it. I get notes from people all the time. You're the first thing I listen to in the morning. I'm like, you're sick in the head to turn that on. But um, <laughs> now, nah, just trying to find angles and 
have some good discussions. For sure. We do good stuff. Uh, obviously, it's why we like having you on. You're a great dude as well. So uh, we'll let you go. Uh, once again, thank you. And uh, maybe we'll see each other uh, next week when the Flyers come back home. Yeah, Sunday we'll be back at the barn and uh, we'll get after. I'll see you down there, Jimmy. For sure. All right. All right, boys. Take care, Jace. Have a good night. Thanks again. You guys. There he is. The man, the myth. Always good talking to Jason, isn't it? Talk about uh, likable guys. I know, for sure. Gamer, for sure. So we uh, we pretty much covered everything. Uh, I don't think we had too many topics left over after Jason. Uh, we wanted to talk Morgan Frost a little bit. We thought we got to him. Talked Carter Hart a little bit. Was there anything that you wanted to add in here, Jack, before we sign off? Not without getting too excited. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just, I can't, the only negative thing is I can't get the Bedard thing out of my head. You know, <laughs> it's like, it made, to really become that, like, cup contender, whether you had pieces now or you completely rebuilt, I felt either way Bedard was, a, or anybody in the top three, really, was a huge, and you could still get a really good player, but still, it was, it was imperative that they got that and you know be excited for now but that will that will be in the back of my mind throughout the entire season even if they are like have two 10 game winning streaks instead of two losing streaks and are pushing the rest of this division you know to the brink it's still going to be in the back of my mind because i just don't think they have the talent when push comes to shove to actually be more than a bubble playoff team and if they do make it do anything with it i could be wrong. You could get a hot goaltender and sky's the limits. Beauty of hockey. We've seen seventh and eighth seeds go pretty far, including the cup itself. Us, we know that personally, you know. But um, it's still very, very, you know, the numbers are very low on that. And I do think that having a shot at a top-tier talent is – it doesn't come around very often for a reason. And what does, essentially anybody who has a player like that is guaranteed to be in the mix for something. And – um you know, we'll monitor it. We'll see how real they are. It's exciting now. Some of these young players playing well, good. Allison Frost, they could be even connecting. They could definitely be a part of the future whenever that is. But um, I'm worried that this fuel, this fool's gold is going to make us miss out on the real gold. Well, I, I don't, you know, we'll see. I, I, I'm excited that they're 2 0. Do I think it's going to continue? No. And I think we're going to find real it's quick this week. It's going to happen. Yeah. But so, I still, even after the first win, I felt this way. I can't shake it. It's not. I'm not trying to be like. Well, you're you're okay. It's okay to feel like that. It's perfectly it's fine. Good. Yeah, it's absolutely <laughs> fine. Because they're not winning the Stanley Cup this year. Like Are they? they could start two and zero, and you could be happy that they're two and zero, and still know that well, they're not winning a cup. Like they're not even probably. They're probably not even going to make the playoffs. You so know, they'll still be in the running. Now, for, we're going to have the same conversation, right? What's that? When they're 20 and 0, we're going to have the same talk. <laughs> if they, they start 20 and 0, we're going to I'm going to start doing things because <laughs> <laughs> we're going to keep that going as long as possible. But likely going to end this week. Before we end, I'll, I'll give a quick schedule for the coming 7 days here. Excuse me, 6 days. The Flyers are, are back in action tomorrow night at the Tampa Bay Lightning at 7 p.m. Uh, they turn around and play the Florida Panthers on Wednesday at 7:30 p.m. in Florida. Uh, they then travel to Nashville on Saturday, and they play the Predators at 8 p.m. 
before returning home Sunday to play the San Jose Sharks at seven. So four games this week, uh, back to back in Florida, which, you know, if we've all watched these last couple of years, they don't really fare too well down there. Uh, not many teams do these days. And um, they have the Predators Saturday and the Sharks on Sunday. So with that, uh, I think that'll do it for the episode, boys and girls. Uh, thanks for hanging out. As always, the next time you catch us live for a show will be next week. Uh, Jack, are you around tomorrow night for a post-game show? I think so. Right, okay. I might be. Yeah, I think so. Okay. E- either way, if if you're not, I will be. So we sh- you guys should have a Twitter live post-game show after tomorrow night's Flyers game. Uh, it'll be most likely their first loss, unfortunately. So we'll be able to talk about that. (laughs) Um, But yeah, you'll catch us live tomorrow night after the Flyers game, Twitter live, look out for the spaces, share it, join, have your questions ready. And and that'll be it. So make sure you're drinking your green stuff, taking your vitamins and everybody enjoy the rest of your night. Flyers hockey tomorrow night against Tampa Bay. See you later.